Hi, this is Jerry Reynolds for Sacramento Electronic Supply, who has been servicing the Sacramento area's industrial electronic needs for over 75 years. Family owned and operated, Sacramento Electronics is a registered California small business that prides themselves on their customer service. Their showroom and warehouse are open to the public to browse. Whether you're looking for wire and cable, tools and testers, connectors or relays, Sacramento Electronics is open for you Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova. Or, hey, visit them online 24-7 at www.sacelec.com and do it. Oh, another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Ooh. Jim Bob Goley. Holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop to the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today... Writer for the Kings Herald, my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going? Will, there is actual basketball to talk about, so I'm I'm doing pretty good. I wish that basketball was better, but I guess that's why we're here <laughs> to uh, to record a podcast today. So You're at, That is what we are here yeah. to assess today. <laughs> he's, a, uh, he's a former Sacramento King head coach, a GM and color analyst, GM of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer, the true pride of French like himself. It's Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, absolute pleasure to have you here today. Well, it is good to be back and talking basketball that's actually being played, even though it is preseason. Yeah. yeah. So at the time of this recording, uh, as Tony alluded to, the Sacramento Kings are uh, three games into the preseason and the Sacramento Kings are 0-3. Guys, I'm sure we're all quite ready to freak out, declare the Kings dead and unrecoverable. We're getting the tank engine hats back on this season. So uh, so let's jump right in and freak out. Uh, view from a thousand feet. Um, how have you guys felt about the Kings' first three games so far in the preseason? Well, uh, you know, no question, a little underwhelming. Uh, I don't, you know, want to make too much of it, but I, I was hoping yeah, for a little better, especially, you know, uh, other than Domas and Fox, who've been terrific, you know, but uh, would have liked to see maybe a little more from support players that uh, I know will be very important. Tony, what about you? Yeah, it hasn't hasn't been great. I was looking for m- more specifically on the defensive end, just because that's what we've talked about all summer. And there just really hasn't been, to me, a, a huge change in, in the team we saw end last season to the team we saw begin this season. Uh, there's been some improvements on certain players on certain skills, but it's so such a small sample size that I think those little things like Sabona shooting better from three last night, for instance, like that's not enough evidence to see any sort of a trend there, but it's it's cool to see, I guess. My overall takeaway is I wish this team had more urgency defensively. Uh, Mike Brown has been saying that too, um, which is interesting. But yeah, have not has not been a great preseason for the Kings. That being said, I'm not I'm also not too concerned yet. Yeah, this whole podcast is going to be quibbling over small sample sizes. <laughs> yeah. This is a, this is the small sample size podcast if there ever was one. <laughs> so so we'll jump into uh, we'll jump into the individual players here a little bit. Uh, Tony, you mentioned Sabonis. Sabonis hit uh, two threes in short order in the first quarter of last uh, last of, of Sunday's game. Um, the sample size is small, but is Sabonis one of those guys that you could see actually turning it around this season? He's he's still young enough to 
to produce a, a brand new skill out of thin air, like uh, being able to shoot uh, well from the three point line? Well, you know, I, I think he can, you know, he shot 37% last year. He just didn't shoot very many. Uh, and he'd shot, I would say when he's in Indiana, people would always talk about, he, he really couldn't shoot the three, but he shot him better than miles Turner, who everybody said could really shoot the three for a big man. So I don't know. So, uh, you know, look, his shot, he looked awfully good last night and, and, you know, it wasn't just the threes. I thought a turnaround jumper, uh, kind of, I mean, he, he really seemed to be looking for his shot a little bit more. And I think that's, that's all good. I mean, my mind, it, he doesn't have to hit all of them. We don't expect that, but if he could hit 35% from three, in fact, and take a few more, uh, I think I think that's a real good sign for the Kings. So, Tony, what do you think about uh, Sabonis and the uh, the small sample size yet uh, still alluring three-point shot from the other night? He's so skilled that you think that he should be able to make that a, a more consistent part of his game. DeMarcus Cousins immediately comes to mind, who is another pretty skilled big man who figured up three-point shot later in his career. I don't know how much of preseason Sabonis shooting to take seriously. I'm, I'm choosing not to right now. The one part that gives me a little bit uh, a little bit more optimism is that he did it against the Warriors. It was almost almost a bit of a point-proving type uh, performance, I guess. And that could be me putting way too much energy on a preseason game, but it was against a, a team that really limited him in the postseason. People have been talking about that and his limitations all summer. So for him to come out in this game and shoot the ball well from three, like Jerry said, he hit some jumpers too. I, I was just nice to see. We'll see how that trend continues, but I'm glad he could do it against that Warriors team. Jerry, in a preseason game like this, I know they mentioned on one of the broadcasts last night that you don't want to show your full hand, obviously, in preseason, especially against a team that you'll be fighting for the Pacific Division title uh, with this season. Um, I, I noticed the bonus going at uh, Kavon Looney pretty hard during the games when they were matched up together. Uh, is this something that they just kind of allow Sabonis to 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 get those shots off and get get ready for the season and and not show the full game plan, or do you feel like uh, last night uh, Sabonis was more motivated to go and that was more the Warriors were running what they were going to run against him and he was able to beat him with it? Well, I, I do think it's like to Tony's point. I, I think that Sabonis, you know, been here in all year. He certainly did not play well. Yeah. as well as he has during the regular season in the playoffs. His numbers weren't terrible, but he really didn't play as well as even his numbers. But, uh, yeah, it looked like to me he came out aggressive and said, okay, I'm going to prove to you guys I can shoot. And uh, and you can't just lay lay off of me uh, like you did in the playoffs. And I, I, so, yeah, I think there's a message. And, and as far as – as far as showing any secrets in preseason, hey, there's 82 games in the regular season <laughs> yeah. and you play these teams. So there's no, you know, I've, I've said it many times, you know, uh, they do scout in the NBA. So uh, I, I, I don't think there's any secrets you're worried about learning or giving up. All right, we'll roll on over to uh, 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 to De'Aaron Fox. Guys, do you take anything from Fox's first three seasons, uh, first three preseason games? He's he's kind of running through the motions. I feel like he's one of those guys that's like, just don't get hurt and get into the, the regular season. Like, don't don't break a finger, don't don't do anything silly, and and you're fine. Are you guys uh, are you guys taking uh, this preseason in stride with him, or are the things that you kind of wanted out of these first three season, three preseason games that you didn't get? Well, he looks uh, looks like he's getting ready for the regular season. That that's the way I would approach, just like you said. And 
And, uh, you know, uh, I see no reason not to be optimistic that he's even going to have a better year. So his body looks great. And, and, and that's about the only goal for him, I think, is just don't get hurt and keep building on your stamina. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, to me, Fox has the least to prove of anyone on this team right now in the preseason. And I guess the only takeaway to me is that he looked healthy, which is good because it was it was a bummer to not have him healthy for that Warrior series. So he looks healthy again. And I think, I don't know, we said it about Sabonis uh, maybe wanting to perform better against the Warriors. I think Fox had his best preseason game against the Warriors also. So I, I thought Fox and Sabonis were both really good last night. Are there any starters on the Sacramento Kings right now that you're worried about coming into these these games like uh they need to need to prove something before the regular season or is this one of those things where the kings are good we know the kings are good if they go oh and five and the starters all average 10 points a game we're okay with it because we know going into the regular season that there's cohesiveness there's a, a, a general floor plan from last year that they can follow that we can all believe in regardless of how preseason goes well you know the i, I certainly i would I've been disappointed with Kevin Herter's play, but having said that, it doesn't concern me as much as I think some other people seem to be because he's been there, done that. You know, he, he he was a really a viable player on some playoff teams in Atlanta before the Kings got him, had a terrific year uh, for the Kings and then had a bad playoff. And so, and he's not playing well in the, in the preseason. What does that mean? I don't think it means squat until they tip it up. And, uh, you know, I think Kevin Herter really should be in the prime of his career. And so, you know, I'll I'll make a judgment on him about 10 games into the season and we have something to actually talk about. Tony, we're, we're running through the starters right now, just, just to get your preseason opinions, but like, are there, is there anything that, that they can do outside of like below their kneecaps out that'll concern you about the, about these preseason games? I'm not at all concerned about Barnes, Keegan, Fox and Sabonis. Those guys kind of are set in their roles for to me right now. They're very consistent. Herder is also a very consistent player. And like Jerry, I wouldn't say I'm worried about him eventually figuring it out and, and balancing out his numbers, but he is shooting very bad in the preseason so far. And it's very interesting to me that Mike Brown did make a change in that starting unit. We saw Chris Duarte start against the Warriors. And it's interesting to me for a lot of reasons. Some of, some of them being he didn't make any changes all regular season in this starting lineup. Once he got to his, that five, you know, we had Casey Okpala era for the first three games. But once he settled on his starting five, he did not change it. He did not change it at all throughout the warrior series, despite struggles for many players in that starting lineup, but he does change it in game three of the preseason after Herter has been struggling. And uh, I don't know if either of you saw Kevin Herter's press conference after the game uh, last night, but, uh, Herter said that there really hasn't been a ton of communication from Mike Brown. Mike Brown just told him that Duarte was going to run with the starters all week and start against the Warriors. And he was not told that this is his role. He's going to get back. He was kind of saying, you know, Mike Brown didn't really tell me anything. So I, I don't know where I stand moving forward as far as where I am in the rotation. So I do find that interesting just because the Kings have had consistency in that starting lineup for so long. And now maybe we're seeing that fracture a bit and it's only been one game. So we don't know, but as, as far as like what I'm watching, will that, dynamic is pretty interesting to me right now. Jerry, how do you feel about Chris Duarte taking the place of Herder in practices and then in this third preseason game? Well, I, I think there's a little wake-up call there. Uh, I yeah. think Coach Brown, that's what I think. And, uh, uh, you know, he hadn't been playing well and maybe, you know, he was kind of taking things for granted more than he should be. 
And I think that's just another best way of motivating somebody is to let them know you're not quite uh, what you thought you were. <laughs> and I, and I think that's just what happened. Uh, uh, and, and, and I thought too, is interesting as uh, Tony pointed out to some of the things he said that, uh, you know, he didn't talk to me about it, didn't do this. Well, he really doesn't have to, yeah. uh, you know, it's a good idea sometime, but, uh, no, I, I think it's just a message. I think it's and probably one that needed to be sent. Guys, what have you gotten off of the early returns on Keegan Murray this season? I know they had, uh, discussions with him about like, we want to see you handle the ball more. We want to see you attack the rim a little bit more. Uh, how have you guys felt about Keegan Murray's first three games? Well, for me, I mean, just comparing him to last year in the preseason, it's a whole different product. And, and, you know, I mean, everybody has their own level of expectations. I'd like to think mine are a little more reasonable. I don't ex <laughs> expect him to become uh, LeBron James in this year too. Uh, but I mean, my goodness, he's, he's just playing with so much more confidence and showing you can do more. And I think that'll continue. So I'm, well, I'm hopelessly on the uh, Keegan Murray uh, bandwagon. Okay. Tony, uh, Jerry thinks he's the next uh, Carmelo Anthony. What do you think of his first two games of preseason? I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, I I'm also a, a very big <laughs> Keegan Murray fan. I think the only takeaway for me, cause there really hasn't been like a, a huge difference to me. The only thing I guess is uh, in the regular season, Keegan Murray was fifth on the team in shot attempts behind uh, Fox, Sabonis, Herter and Monk so far in the preseason. He's second, which is, kind of right where we all hope he will be with efficiency. So if that holds true the rest of the year, I think we'll have a, we'll have the breakout season we were kind of hoping for. Yeah. You know, one last thing I, I know as on with Whitey uh, Gleason uh, last week, late, they were talking about key. And I said, you know, the only negative I can see with the guy really is that he's totally, totally unselfish yeah. and he, he doesn't have a selfish bone in his body and he needs to have one. He needs to develop one. I mean, you'll never, he'll never be go overboard, you know, but he has to, I think that's, that's a weakness that he has to get past. And I think he's trying, you know, just, uh, you know, they always say great scorers have to be a little bit hungry and, and that's, uh, that's uh, where he's got to get to, but it, it's, it's easier to get guys to be more hungry than it is to take hungry guys and, and <laughs> calm them down. I'll tell you that. Uh, so we've talked about uh, Herter and, and Murray a little bit here. I'm curious, Jerry, as to your opinions. Uh, Monty McNair has said that he wants um, wants Keegan to be in the top three in terms of shot attempts a game. How do you go to a guy like Herter, who was kind of feasting last year off of those opportunities, and tell him, like, you're taking less shots this year? As a coach, as a GM, how do you let a player know, hey, your leash is a little bit tighter this year, you're reined in a little bit more? Because the kid that was was shooting next to you is suddenly a higher priority than you are. I don't know that you you do because, but I I think what you do. I mean, obviously, if you decided that you'd like to see Keegan Murray get more shots, you probably got kind of mentioned it to Fox and and Sabonis. You know, run run things in his direction more, do more things that uh, benefit Keegan uh, because they're they're going to control the offense. And, uh, you know, so with if, if in fact you'd like to get Keegan more shots, well, you might not do as many dribble handoffs with Herter, but you might do some more screen rolls or high, high, you know, high, high picks with a, you know, that sort of thing. So I, I think it's one of those things, uh, 
it wouldn't be terribly noticeable, but I think with Herter, you know, he probably will miss a few shots and maybe even Harrison Barnes might get a few less. Uh, but that's where it has to happen. You know, if you're going to get better, you know, uh, there's only so many shots and uh, everybody can't shoot 40 shots. I see this conspiracy theory kind of floating around uh, the King's, uh, the King's internet a little bit here. And I'm curious as to your opinions on that, um, that the reason Chris Duarte started over a guy like uh, uh, Herter was that they're getting Keegan ready to like be the third in charge and they can use Herter as an asset and have a guy who takes a, a few less shots as a, in a guy like her, uh, uh, Duarte. Jerry, would you this early in the season as a GM or a coach be like, let's see how Duarte does with the starting unit here, just in case we need to ship a guy like Herter out in a bigger trade somewhere down the road. Is this something you do in preseason? I, I mean, you might, I could see doing it, but I, I don't know that I'd be doing it this early for that type of thinking. You know, I mean, he's been, Herter's been too good a player sure. uh, for this franchise. So, no, I, I think probably just my simple mind would say I'd like to have a look at Duarte and maybe uh, shake up Herter a little bit. I mean, sure. but, you know, because at some point uh, you're probably still wanting to learn more about Duarte. Can he truthfully can he be a good rotation guy sure. you know that that's that's still what you don't know for sure tony any any uh anything to my tinfoil theory that i've been reading online or are you uh are you in jerry's camp on this one uh i think herder and i guess davion mitchell i throw him in this boat we've talked about who is the most likely to be traded if you're going to bring in a better player i feel like herder mitchell and barnes are kind of like the three most tradable for the best return guys on the roster right now. So I, I guess I could buy some of that. Um, there, I did have a moment in that Warriors game when the bench did come in and whether, I mean, maybe this move was just as surface level as it looks where Mike Brown was trying new looks for both units. That bench unit with Malt, with uh, Mitchell, Monk, Herder, Trey Lyles, and Sasha is pretty scary offensively. That's a pretty dynamic uh, bench unit, all shooters besides Davion. So if if they can survive, if the starters can survive with Duarte and now you're getting, you know, 30 minutes of Herder with a lot of those minutes coming on the bench unit, I think that's a pretty dangerous bench unit if it does work out. So even if just taking Mike Brown, you know, for his word that he's just trying different lineups out, I don't hate this idea provided Duarte doesn't tank how good the starting lineup has been. And I don't think he would because the rest of those guys are so good. Yeah, it's going to be a, you know, Coach Brown, I mean, it's really going to be difficult for him to, get the rotation straight and the minutes to where everybody, you know, the, it is a little deeper bench and more guys that uh, deserve to play. And, uh, you know, something, and there's no doubt when you have that, certain guys will be affected. I think Kevin Herter could very well be one of those guys. I think, you know, Trey Lyles may be one of those guys, uh, you know, it, but that's, you know, to get better, you have to make some adjustments. So we'll roll on to some of the vets on this team. Um, obviously, we can talk about Barnes, but Barnes is one of those guys to me that, like, uh, he's just there. Like, he does not need to do a single thing in preseason. Hey, guys, do you see anything from Harrison Barnes, or is it more of a slam the skip button on this guy because he's doing his job? He's a vet that just gets ready for the regular season on, on a preseason stint like this. Pro's pro, you know. I mean, you know, but he has his critics. I don't think they're all fair. Because, I mean, he is who he is. He's been that way a lot of times. Uh, he's not an all-star player. 
but he's a damn good player and could play on any team in the league. He would play significant minutes on any team in the league. And uh, Kings are lucky to have him. Don, you got anything to add to that? Uh, not really. My only thought on Barnes, and I guess I'll throw Keegan Murray in this conversation too, is that between the both of them, they still really aren't rebounding well at all, which was another issue the Kings had in the playoffs. I think I was looking at the stats for uh, all the Kings players um, this morning, and Barnes has just a weird, funky stat. He has zero defensive rebounds so far, which I don't expect to be the case, but <laughs> between him and Keegan Murray, they're just averaging below three rebounds a game between them. So uh, just something to kind of keep in your back pocket that the Kings still have a, a potential rebounding issue in that starting lineup. But um, last season, they were able to outscore their opponents, and it didn't matter a great deal, but it did bite them in the playoffs. So, Yeah, that's why they needed Nas Reed, but I guess I'll get over that one of these days. <laughs> Um, what have you guys seen um, uh, from uh, from the rookie Sasha Vizankov? Anything uh, anything you guys want to add about the new addition from Europe? Well, it looks like to me, I mean, he he's going to be can be a good player. Uh, I haven't, you know, I was hoping to see more. I guess I don't know why I would expect that. I mean, he's adjusting from playing in Europe for a number of years and and coming to an established really team and rotation, but uh, he, I mean, there's, you know, you can see where he could, can fit. Now, whether I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is I'm not sure I'm seeing a guy's going to make a big difference. Yeah. And I, that, that's what I was wanting to see. Tony, are you disappointed in the first three games for uh, Sasha Vizankov? I'm disappointed because my own expectations are possibly too high, but again, I guess it's too early to say that. Um, the one thing that has, I thought he would have an easier time cracking the rotation. And now you look at the guys playing and it's like, Ooh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he won't be in that, in that night one rotation, especially because I think Trey Lyles has been awesome so far picking up right where he left off. So, uh, and I would say Sasha has a long ways to go if he is to beat Trey Lyles in the rotation, because I feel like four is probably his best spot. So yeah, it's going to be maybe a longer road to, to, being a good player than I thought. And like Jerry said, he was one of the guys that we were maybe hoping could make an outsized impact because the Kings didn't make a lot of moves this summer. And at least so far, it's it's looking like it, it, he might not have a, as great of an impact as maybe we hoped, at least early. But it's it's very early. We'll see. Jerry, is there any chance that this is a uh, like slow-walking Sasha into the offense and defense, kind of like how they did with Keegan at the beginning of last year, starting Casey Okpala for the first three games? Or is this a matter of just like, He's a vet. He should he should be ready to go from from night one, from game one, and uh, he's kind of not failing to live up to the expectations, but not matching the expectations of Kings fans who've been waiting for him to come over for a couple of seasons now. Well, you you make a good point though, because I, I do think that I mean it's such a different circumstance for Keegan as a rookie coming in playing against NBA players, but here's the similarities. It's a European player coming in, playing against NBA players for the first time. You know, the athleticism, the quickness is different. Now, his skill set, you know, by playing and being a star in Europe uh, is there, but I do think there's an adjustment to that. You know, I, I of course, I remember, you know, Page and guys like that in their early years. Uh, the game didn't it didn't go real smooth for him early on, you know, I mean, and, and guys that have been stars over there and, and certainly, you know, like I say, it's almost like a rookie, uh, which they were rookies. And I mean, and Sasha's a rookie 
but uh, he's just an older version. But I, I think, uh, yeah, I think he'll he'll get better as he goes. Uh, I think this team fits the things he does well, and I sure hope so. But I, you know, as Tony and I said, I, I, I was hoping for more. You know, I honestly was expecting for a little more. Uh, but you know, here again, it's kind of like Herder. Uh, let's go ten games into the season, yeah. and then we we can all have a legitimate discussion about it, really. Any uh any thoughts on the other on the other vests that you guys want to talk about? Uh, Chipmunk, uh, Devion Mitchell, Javale, Trey Lyles. Any of you any any thoughts on those on those guys? You know, I, I've been honestly been a little disappointed with uh, Devion or Davion. I I mean he, you know, he is who he is. Uh, you know, and it's like Tony pointed out. I mean, I think it's a big year for Davion. I, I really love the kid's work ethic and all that, but. You know, it may be that he could be, you know, if that, this is who he is, you know, it might be that he's more valuable to you as part of a deal type thing. And uh, and I think he's got a lot of value around the league because of, of who he is. But I think the Kings, you know, I think the Kings need a little more offense from him. I, I do. And uh, so we, we'll see. But certainly not lack of effort, trying, toughness. You don't question any of that. Uh, you know, I like Tony said, I, I I like Trey Lyles. I think the guy is a really good player. You know, I, I'm I'm at the stage now in his career, if if he went somewhere and somebody gave him 35 minutes, I think he'd probably be a 17.8 rebound, nine guy. Sure. Uh, you know, it's probably not going to ha happen at this stage. You know, it's one of those things he's already fit into a given niche. <laughs> And that probably, probably was, you know, he was more expected when he came to the league and he disappointed. And now that he's probably ready, uh, it's a the ship has sailed, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, that that's my only thoughts there. I, you know, I like Alex Lynn still. I do. I mean, I think he's a five, 10 minute guy who does a couple of things well enough. You can trot him out there. Uh, he won't, he's not going to win for you, and he's generally not going to lose for you. I'll tell you, the guy really surprises me though is Ellis. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, I, I I like Colby Jones, but I don't believe Colby's as good a player as Ellis is. Uh, you know, and I, I think he, he may someday be better, but right now, I think if you you know wanted to go win ball games, I think Ellis is is probably you could make a pretty strong case for him. And uh, so I like him a lot. Actually, I like, I like Jordan Ford. I, I, I mean, yeah. really, I know he's not going to play much, but that guy is not scared to play. Mm -hmm. No, you know, I mean, he is not scared to play. He, he's uh, kind of earned his niche. I, I hope he sticks with the big team and, and gets to play a little bit. Tony, what about you? Do you have anything from from the bench guys before we get to the uh, before we get to the guys trying to carve out the role on the team? Uh, I, I would agree with Jerry. I'm just being disappointed in Davion for all of the talk about his improved shot. I haven't seen it. Um, I also understand that Davion is a player who should make a bigger impact in the regular season than the preseason. He really doesn't have players to to lock down for heavy minutes and crunch time and things like that in a preseason game. So it's not really built for him. Uh, and I guess the only last point on Davion is. And I, I think this is interesting. Maybe it's not interesting, but just the fact that Mike Brown, in the interest of just seeing a different look, 
went with Chris Duarte in the starting lineup over Davion Mitchell. I understand they're different players, but I'm just personally curious at seeing Davion Mitchell as a starter, as a 30 minute per game guy next to Fox as like your one really good defender in the starting lineup. And Mike Brown giving that first shot to Duarte over Davion was, I don't know, interesting to me only because I I still want to see Davion in that like big minute role at some point. And I don't know if it'll ever happen here, especially that it seems like he's not even going to get that shot in preseason when when uh, Mike Brown's looking to make a move. So that was kind of my only takeaway from his disappointing preseason. Jerry, did it surprise you at all that that uh, they gave the shot to uh, to Duarte over over Davion or over Monk, who I assume could also make a claim to have that spot? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, you know, it, it could be as simple as the fact that uh, Coach Brown really is just comfortable in who Monk and Davion are. And, uh, you know, I would kind of, I'm like, Tony, I would kind of like to see uh, Davion playing with Fox big minutes and see, you know, how that goes, you know, because it's, it, the size thing is kind of, you know, overrated because Davion can guard a lot of, a lot of size guys, but just to see if he could produce offensively enough, it's hard to, to find that out in five minutes here and five minutes there. And, and, and I'll, I'll just go back to that. with him. Uh, I just really do believe he's potentially a Kyle Lowry. Uh, Kyle wasn't Kyle Lowry to his third team <laughs> and, and uh, you know, and, but, but this it's going to be tough for him to get the role he needs to get here. Seems to me. Since Jerry already uh, talked about Jordan Ford and Keon else a little bit, Tony, I'll present it to you this way um, from the guys. Those two guys are kind of the guys really trying to scratch out and make some, uh, some headway there on the, on the lap, maybe for that last roster spot. Um, if you had to pick between Jordan Ford or Keon Ellis as your third string point guard in the Sacramento Kings and cut the other one, who are you picking at this point in time? That's tough because you put the point guard qualifier there on it. it I, Keon Ellis might be a point guard. I just never saw him in that light where I know Jordan Ford ran point for the Kings in summer league and looked really good in that role. Um, but if I had to cut one of them, I'm cutting Ford over Keon for the reasons that Jerry mentioned. I'm very interested in seeing Keon Ellis play more. I think if anyone... If you listen to Mike Brown in these press conferences, he's telling everyone what the Kings are not doing well, and he's telling everyone what he needs to see them do well. I think above anyone else, outside of the guys, Fox, Sabonis, who we know they have a role here, Keon Ellis is doing what Mike Brown is asking for, I think, more than anyone in his limited opportunities. So I hope that gets rewarded and we see more of Keon, because I, I think and he hasn't played a lot of NBA minutes. I think he's the best defender on this roster, not named Davion Mitchell. I, I love his defense on the perimeter. And if he can shoot at 40% or even you know 37% or above, that's to me a, a pretty valuable player, one the Kings need. So I, I really like what Keon Ellis has done, very limited minutes. But if anyone's earned a, a bigger role in the preseason just to see what he's got, I think it's I think it's Keon. Yeah, I agree with that. I I mean, you know, I mean the guys, you know, he proved uh you know, in uh, Stockton, you know, he put up solid numbers. And as Tony pointed out, I was, you stole my line, you know, the best defender not named Davion. <laughs> I was, damn it. I was, thought that had been pretty smart on me. But, uh, <laughs> but it's true. Uh, you know, he creates some problems there. And, and, I, and, I, and I do not, as Tony, I don't see a lot of playmaking ability. Doesn't mean he couldn't. 
but I just haven't seen enough of that. Where certainly Jordan Ford is a more natural point guard, but uh, you know, I I like the kid. I, I'd like to see. You know, I'm not at all sure he's not better than Duarte. Yeah. If just to be honest with you, yeah. I mean, I I think it's closer than you know it's supposed to be. So we'll roll over to the coaching now. Uh, from a coaching standpoint, what stood out to you guys uh, during during the preseason so far? Is there any changes or tweaks that you guys have noticed that you've liked or disliked? Well, I I, I like. I mean, I'm disappointed in the defense. I still think they've got to uh, find a way to toughen that up. And and I think for Coach Brown, I don't know what he can do. You know, which I said this on the radio shows. I I, I think. He might might have to start considering, you know, uh, benching guys on defense, not on offense. Uh, you know, shake, you know, shake a few trees now and then, and uh, especially with veteran guys. You know, they get well. I got my, you know, I go out at the eight minute mark, or I go go out as yeah. Well, let's not get too. Maybe you come out three minutes sooner or maybe you know that sort of thing just to get a little attention uh you know to pull a few chains there so i i think that you know that with a team like this uh you could just uh, shake up a few guys like that a little bit maybe maybe you could get a little better defense uh but that's a that's a real concern i mean you can see this team will score this team's going to score but a lot of teams in the west can score <laughs> Tony, the uh, the Kings have uh, have have preached physicality here all throughout training camp. Have you seen any of that uh, physicality out there on the floor when it when it comes to uh, the Kings this so far? Not enough of it. I think, oddly enough, it's the newer players that I've seen it more from. I think Duarte has shown some of that on the perimeter. I think Keon Ellis has been good there. Uh, I even like Colby Jones, his energy on defense. Like his offense has not been very efficient at all, but he's wiry, and I think he's been playing really hard on defense, trying to crash the boards. Um, Mike Brown had an interesting comment too, where he said that, uh, they're, they're defending really well in practice. It's not translating to games, which I don't know how to take that, but it was some interesting nugget from the end of his, uh, from his post-game press conference after the Warriors game that he actually really likes how they're defending in practice and it's not translating. So hopefully he can figure, figure that out. And then Mike Brown, just in general, I was worried that they, the Kings might be a little bit complacent with their rotations and maybe not have as much urgency to continue pushing this thing forward. And I would say overall, I'm, I'm happy with Mike Brown's tinkering with his calling players out and not calling players out, but moving guys around in the rotation to Jerry's point. I think he is kind of sticking it to guys a little bit in practice that there was a clip that went around about a, a scrimmage <laughs> where he was yelling at guys. And I just, I'm glad that that's the attitude in training camp more than like we were good last year. Like, I don't know. There was a, there's a complacent version of Mike Brown that could have happened this season or this version where he's still really like in it and firing guys up. And I'm glad he's taking that approach. We'll see if it goes anywhere. Yeah. I don't think there's much, I mean, the guy's a really good coach and he, yeah. he's in a, he's in a tough spot because expectations are very high. You know, he's got a talented team, uh, but not going to surprise anybody this year. And and maybe some guys, as Tony pointed out, get a little complacent. You know, that's a human nature. Get a little, yeah, I'll get out there and get my shots and whatever. Uh, to, I was, I did uh, get a kick out of him talking about, uh, you know, we're 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 not about the playoffs. We're about building for a championship. You know, and and some people I I know was kind of taking that 
Like, well, why would he say something like that? And it's like, well, what should he have said? Uh, we're just hoping to win 20 games. Good Lord. Uh, you know, I mean, if the coach isn't uh, positive, why, why would the players be? And, uh, and yeah, I, I think, so yeah, I, I think everything's on track. I, I don't think I didn't expect to see great deep physical defense in uh, preseason, especially by the veteran guys. I, I mean, it, it, you know, uh, I don't see Clay Thompson busting his hump out there right. defensively, or I know Curry. I mean, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, you know. Uh, so we'll know uh, when the ball goes up game one if 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 in fact that's a little bit of a you know carryover from the playoffs where they played very physical. So the Kings have the Warriors on Wednesday and the Jazz on Friday to wrap up the preseason. What are you guys watching for in these last two games as the Kings get ready to uh, roll into the regular season? Well, I, I think at some point, and I don't know if it'll be the until the last game, but but I, I'm pretty sure by the last game, I'll really be interested because usually you're into your rotations. Uh, a coach wants to get settled in who he's going to play and where they know who's going to play and how many minutes they're going to play. So I think that'll be that'll be a, a key time for me more than who they're playing or anything else uh, because and sometimes uh, you know coaches will do it maybe even for two games but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they still don't experiment a little bit against the Warriors and then against the, the Jazz we see some idea of, of what he's thinking. I am realizing that the preseason means way less to me now that the Kings have reached a level of of being good than it did before they were good. Because I was always watching the preseason, uh, wondering like, oh, are the Kings going to be good this year? And, and looking for signs in the preseason. I don't need to worry about that so much anymore. I, this team's going to be pretty good. So I almost don't care about anyone's numbers at this point. I'm just I'm more curious about who's playing more than what are they doing? Because that tells me who Mike Brown is leaning leaning towards going to the regular season. So that's really all I'm watching for. One thing I learned as a, as a in in this league over the years, and I, I haven't learned very many things, but one thing I did learn is that uh, preseason is tells you a little bit more than summer league. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the second thing is some of the Kings best teams had losing records in preseasons and several of the worst teams had winning records. Sure so, yeah. so, so once you, you know, as long as you can kind of keep that in perspective, it's like, no, there's a, there's 82 that are really important and we'll, we'll get, we'll give you all the answers you need. I remember being a young, dumb college kid and uh, having my roommate, um, he was a Lakers fan, unfortunately. And I, I was bragging to him about the Lakers at the time were like, Oh, and three in preseason preseason, the Kings were three and Oh, and I was kind of hyped up to, Oh, this is our year. You guys aren't doing anything. And he just very calmly like looked over and he's like, the last two times we went 0-4 in the preseason, we won championships. Mm-hmm. And like as a young Kings, as a younger Kings fan, I went, oh, damn it. Like it doesn't mean a damn thing, does it? You know? And then after that, I was like, all right, the preseason has never meant anything for me past that, you know. And uh I think about him often. Whenever the Kings, whenever the Kings are losing a preseason, I'm like, oh, we're gonna win a championship. So guys, we're on a championship track this season. That's all I know. There go. According to my Lakers fan friend in 2010, we're on a championship track. Well, it certainly doesn't mean we couldn't be. That's for <laughs> yeah. sure. Amen. So the next time we speak, we'll be uh, three games into the regular season. So I just want to get some general predictions for us for uh regular season awards here. Okay. This is our time to speculate. 
I'm writing them in stone. If you don't get them right, we're kicking you off the podcast forever. So, so Jerry, we'll go with you first. Um, um, who do you have this year for uh, the MVP of the NBA? I'm going to go Giannis Adetokounmpo. Tony, what about you? You got a uh, the Greek freak too. You you have some some dark horse candidate that you want to talk about? I don't know. Giannis has been has been the the easy pick. Outside of, I'll I'll throw a random one out here because I think they're gonna have a great year. Uh, I don't want to show my bo- uh, my bias, but I'll dark horse Jason Tatum as MVP. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with Jerry in that. I think Giannis is in a prime position now with having a supporting player like Dame on his team that he could probably win another one. Um, my dark horse, and this is gonna be, I try when I start thinking about these, I try not to just put Oklahoma City players for every single one of the dark horse <laughs> candidates because like. If, if they win 50 games, I expect a clean sweep, kind of like the Kings were last year. But I think uh, I think if OKC wins like 50 games, I think Shea will be in the top three or four. He's getting yep. a lot of hype this season. Yep. I think he'll get I think he'll get a lot of flowers this season if the if the Thunder can find a way to win 50 games. He's he's close, boy. He's getting yeah. close. I noticed the ESPN rankings have him at eight, which oh, I thought yeah. was probably a little high for what he's done. To be honest with you, yeah, but. You know, I, not that he can't get there, but I think at some point, you know, you know, it's typical of rankings. Uh, they throw guys in there. We think they're going to be this, and some other guy who's been that, they drop him because he maybe. <laughs> I so well, it's interesting, but he's a he's a Oklahoma City's a threat. I mean, they're certainly not maybe for a championship, but they're a threat to get yeah. in the top five, six. I think absolutely. Okay, so uh, defensive player there. Who you guys got for Depoy? Well, I think I this is, I mean this is really shows some creativity on my part, but I'll, I'll go with Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, what about you? Are you are you clean sweeping Giannis? Uh, I was going to say Chet Holmgren will just to steal your pick. No, that's uh, fine. No, I'll go. Uh, <laughs> give me Jaron Jackson Jr. Okay. Uh, I did not have him on my list, though I should have. Uh, I intentionally left him off. But I do think another tanking team that I love, I think Evan Mobley is one of those guys that yep. he's kind of one of those guys that mm-hmm. if, if, the, if the Cavs have a really good year, he could get the attention drawn on him for being a defensive player of the year candidate. Uh, Michael Bridges is another one that I feel like if the Nets do well, he's going to get a lot of love this season. Yeah, he's, he's really a good player. I think everybody now realizes, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, can be a top 20, 15, 20 guy in the league. And, and he plays both the ends and he plays every game. Okay. So we're going to roll over to the, uh, the, the hardest one to prognosticate in my mind. Um, uh, the most improved player. Who do you guys see as the, the future most improved player of the year of the season? Most improved player. Well, you need to start out with somebody who wasn't very good last year, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. I, uh... I, I might go with uh, Hunter from Atlanta. I like I think, that. Uh, you know, I mean, I think injuries have kept him from being as good as he should be. And so, which means if he can stay healthy, then I think we'll see that and he'd be a candidate. Yeah. Tony? Hmm. Uh, I want to say Keegan Murray here, but Jerry's qualifier of has didn't have a great year last year. <laughs> that is usually where it goes. But but if a guy has a very uh, outsized increase in production, they can get it too. So I'll I'll throw Keegan Murray my vote. 
Um, my thinking on this is always like a bad team that's suddenly better yeah. usually gets an award like that. So my my two that I had, Anthony Simons being a guy that mm-hmm. Portland might be worse this season, but he his role is going to absolutely explode. So I think he could be one of those guys. He's kind of a like a Jordan Poole that I could root for in Anthony Simons. And then the other one I had was uh, a dark horse, uh, uh, Shangun. Shangun with the with the Rockets. If, mm-hmm. if he could yeah. get a role with a coach yep. like the one he's got now, uh, Udoka could get him in a spot where he could be a, a most improved player. Yeah, Tony's guy. That guy is a he is a good player. I tell you, yeah. he's, he's a little bit of a, a Domas light, isn't he? Yes, I'm, sir. I'm scared of that team, but yeah, <laughs> I like Shingo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they, I think they're going to be different. You know, I think the coaching and then you know getting Jabari Smith looks ready to play. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, they've added a couple pieces of veterans. It's got some sense. Probably got rid of Porter, who doesn't have any sense, and so. Yeah. So that's a bonus too, I think. All right, six man of the year for you guys, Malik Monk. There you go, give Tony. Chip. Give it to Chip. <laughs> I know, oh, I know, man. I know. King Harold fans hate me for that. <laughs> they hated most of them, Jerry. <laughs> I know they were I'm, great. <laughs> I am, I am kind of ashamed of that one. By the way, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I just couldn't help it. <laughs> uh this might be a, a i think he has the best odds so i don't just want to go chalk but i'm going to go with uh quickly on the knicks he was very good last year people like when the knicks win awards so i'll give quickly the big market <laughs> win for for six man i too have chip as my six man of the year uh with a dark horse going to uh because i think the warriors are going to mess around with him i think chris paul has a chance i think that they flounder a little bit in the early season and they find a way to convince Chris Paul to like come off the bench as a 30 minute a game, close the game, but bench player. And they can, I think he could probably, I think he could probably pull one out at this stage in his career. You know, one other guy, I I think could almost be a candidate for a most improved player in six man of the year, the Christian Braun at uh, Brown with uh, Denver, you know, his role is going to get much bigger. He didn't have, so, and they're a winner. So I, I think you could, he's a guy that's uh, certainly going to be very important to the to the Nuggets. I like that, Jerry. Okay, so we'll roll over to uh, Coach of the Year. Who do you guys feel like the Coach of the Year is going to be? Is is Mike Brown winning back to back this season? Tough to win back to back, even if he deserves it. Uh, I I uh, I could see uh, Udoka as Houston, maybe. Uh, you know, I, I just think that team is going to win a lot more, and 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 that's always the key. You know, the team that comes from nowhere to somewhere. I mean, it's going to be a little tougher for for Joe Missoula to win. Uh, they're expected to, or or, the, the, or or certainly Mike Malone is not going to be a candidate. So so anyway, that that that'd be be my guy, and uh, in this at least, I think he's got to a real chance to improve the team 15 games. I'll go with uh, Adrian Griffin. They like giving a, a new timer, the uh, coach of the year. So that team should be pretty good. This will be the award they get for all those wins. Uh, I, my my coach of the year candidate right now is Mark Dagnall with uh, the Thunder, just because, again, the <laughs> well, Thunder win 15 games. What a surprise. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> But my uh my like sneaky like I would bet money a little bit of money on the side on this one would be a Quinn Snyder in Atlanta, if he can get them playing well, if they are a top four seed, 
I think they kind of go, okay, he's figured out a way to contain or focus Trey Young. I think that deserves a statue. So he'll 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 wind up getting it if 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 they can do anything out there in the East. I think another candidate, strong candidate, based on the you know kind of improvement thing, would be Hardy in uh, Utah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they've, they've got a lot of nice pieces there, and obviously marketing is well on his way to major star status. And uh, so, you know, I, I hate that because they're in the West, as you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Um, and we'll do our final one here. Uh, rookie of the year. Guys, who do you have as your rookie of the year? Maybe give a dark horse because there's like two, <laughs> three candidates to, to win this yeah. one. Oh boy, what well, a tough choice. Yeah, you just can't pick Wimbanyana, even though you know damn well he's not. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I I think Holman's got a chance. I think Scoot yep. uh, has got a chance. Uh, so I kind of think it's a, probably a three player race there. And, you know, they're all, uh, you know, on teams that, that need them to play a lot and they'll get some stats. Uh, so. Having said that, I you know it, it's it's going to come from one of those three, and be hard to imagine Wimbledon are not making that they might change the the name of the award. And <laughs> uh, Tony, everyone is anointing Wimby, and I'm not going to say he's not going to win, but I I like this race. There's a lot of players here that could put up some really compelling numbers, and if like you keep saying, well, like if if the OKC is actually a playoff team, then then could Chet get it? I don't know, maybe. I, I think th- you guys may have seen this. One GM uh, predicted that Sasha Vazenkov would win uh, Rookie of the Year. <laughs> so uh, I'll go with Sasha as a, as a joke vote. I'll put my vote behind that GM who picked him. Well, I, I'll say this. I hope you're right, Tony, in that, <laughs> yeah, in that GM, because yeah. if he's better than those three guys, the Kings <laughs> yeah. are going to have a heck of a year. <laughs> I think Monty McNair, as soon as that, that thing came out, called that GM, whoever voted GM for him, because it couldn't have been yeah. Monty. He called that GM and went, what do you think you'd give me for Sasha Vizankov? Like, if you think he's going to win over <laughs> over Victor and Scoot and Chet, like, how confident are you in that? Because I've got three first-round picks over here that, like, I will take from you if you really want it. Yeah. Here's the biggest question I got for Monty. Uh, does he sleep in a vest, do you think? Or- <laughs> I think he does, yeah. <laughs> Jerry, you know, they explained that. Did you see that on ESPN the other night? Yeah, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I didn't quite follow, but I did. <laughs> By the way, I thought it was a really good broadcast. I thought Mark yeah. Jones and Richard Jefferson, a really nice team and stayed with the game very well. Very enjoyable. Yeah. I, I didn't take Monty to be a superstitious type, especially a numbers guy like that, but to wear a vest to keep the, the ball rolling on it. Okay, we'll, we'll take it. Yeah, you know, and when he's wearing it 90 degrees, you know, that's kind of when it dawned <laughs> on me. It's like, oh, Monty, you, you went to Princeton. I mean, I don't know. This guy hiding in there. Yeah, yeah. He's a little too cold-blooded to be wearing a vest at that <laughs> yeah, temperature. Yeah. 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 Uh, just to wrap it up, my, my, my rookie of the year, obviously, I think it's going to be uh, Wemby. But if it's not, I give a, a very small chance to a guy like Cam Whitmore for, uh, for the Houston Rockets Ooh. or – I would take Eamon Thompson too, depending on injuries and everything else like that. I think either of those two guys for the Rockets could be really, really good right away for them. Okay. So we're going to run over to a commercial break and we'll be right back. 
Sacramento Electric Supply now has stock on fiber and fiber accessories from TexLogix. From bulk fiber cable to splicing kits to connectors, Sacramento Electronics is now your home for your fiber cabling needs. Stop on by their location directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova, Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Or visit them online 24-7, www.sacelect.com. We are back from the commercial break. And Tony, it is now time for our Patreon question of the day. Thank you, Will. On every episode of this podcast, we ask at least one question from our King's Herald patrons. You can submit questions at patreon.com slash King's Herald or on the website or on Twitter. And any question that doesn't get answered on the main show here will get answered in our monthly Q&A on Patreon where we ask Jerry all the leftover questions. This week's question comes from our pal, Dutch Kings fan. And uh, this is a bit of a historic question for Jerry, but I think we can all kind of discuss where where the Western Conference is going this season. But Dutch Kings fan asks, the will in me is relatively pessimistic for the season, <laughs> not because of anything the Kings did, but because of the opposition. I could argue that 12 teams in the West could make the playoffs. Has the West ever been this talented? Mm, great question. And 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 I've I mean there's been years where I, I think you could make the case it's pretty close. But I, I, I'm kind of with that thought. I'm not sure that I've seen it so deep. but And it's still all based on health because, uh, as we've talked about, I mean, there's several of those teams that, if they're healthy, they're going to be dramatically better. And they weren't healthy, and the Kings were healthy. So that that is a little bit of a scary thing. Of course, I remember one year the Kings, when they were still in Kansas City, I missed the playoffs that pushes eight teams with 45 wins, you know? So, yeah. so there's been depth, you know, before, but I, I, I do think when you look at, there's probably 12 teams that could probably place anywhere from third to 12, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just depending on health and breaks and this, that, and the other. Will, are you uh, worried about the Western conference this year? Oh, oh, hell yeah. I, I am. It's it's one of those things that you every year there's a team that slips that there was good the previous season. Yeah. And there's always a team that's supposed to be crap that, that winds up being great. And that like that has haunted me every day since uh since Steph Curry went for 50 in game seven. And uh, my buddy, one of my best friends is a Timberwolves fan. And I remember being excited that Jimmy Butler was there and they, they got to the playoffs and hey, good for them. They broke their streak. They're going to be good for a little while. And then it slips right back into nothingness again. So I, I'm terrified of it. But it's also one of those things I trust Mike Brown. Uh, they've talked about how success is never linear. So if the Kings drop from, you know, 48 wins to 42 wins a season in a much more difficult Western Conference, I'm not going to sweat or scream about it too much as long as they're kind of in the right direction. Um, I know the Kings are talented, and I know the Kings have a good coach, and I know the Kings have a good GM. And everything else is kind of luck and to, to a certain extent. Injury luck, luck with the other teams. Um, am I worried about it? Sure. Am I going to let that affect me from having a, a fun time watching the games this season? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The West is more balanced than maybe at any other team. Maybe not better, but more balanced than any other time that I can remember. And uh, that makes it fun because in chaos, there is opportunity for the Kings to win and for the Kings to 
absolutely shit the bed. Yeah, I've said this many times, and I believe I'm right, is that, uh, you know, the Kings can be better than last year and, and win fewer games. Yeah. But but also be better prepared maybe to advance in the playoffs. And I think that would be a very successful year to me. Uh, but, yeah, the West is the West, and if teams are healthy, uh, you know, you can't uh, – you can only control what you can control. Uh, and so – you know, we'll see, but there's a lot of interesting storylines and the good thing. And I think really the Kings are one of those interesting storylines. Yes. Yeah. All right, Jerry, it's over to you for the, uh, for the Reynolds wrap up. What do you got for us? Well, you know, I was just thinking, you know, we're getting, getting closer to Halloween and uh, you know, I, I always worry about my Kings Herald people, you know, young Jedis out there. <laughs> Uh, just, I just want you guys to keep in mind that the the holiday shopping season starts in Hallow about Halloween for women. Now it doesn't start for men until New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve. <laughs> so, so don't get upset about it. Just know it, roll with <laughs> it, and all that because uh, the misses. They got a little, they're just wired different. That's all. That's all I can tell you. And I know from experience and I, and I wasted a lot of years of my life getting upset about it. So just don't do it. This is why I love our podcast. This is why, you know, I might not ever have Woj on this podcast, but who's going to, who's going to get shopping advice from Jerry Reynolds? Just literally just us. Just us. Just, uh, well, like I can say, if you're going to be married lots of years, there are little tidbits along the way that if you're smart, you'll pick up sooner than I did. <laughs> well, on behalf of uh, Tony and Jerry, this was the Home Shopping Network podcast. Um, <laughs> and we uh, we appreciate you guys for uh, for coming on to another episode of the King's Herald. Um, really love getting to do this and, and to do this for you guys. If you have questions, submit them to Tony, submit them to the King's Herald. Go on our Patreon, find our bonus episodes where we get to answer even wackier and crazier questions. And uh, we'll see you next time in two weeks. In two weeks, the Kings will be playing regular season, meaningful basketball, and I cannot wait for it. So we'll see you then. Can't wait. See ya.